topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the host and their guests and not those of W4CS Radio, its employees or affiliates. W4CS makes no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services or products mentioned on air or on our web. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Support Network on W4CS.com. Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. Welcome to Five to Thrive Live. I am Carolyn Gazella, and my co-host, Dr. Lise Ulshuler, has the night off. I am so excited about my guest tonight, and I think you are going to really enjoy tonight's show. But first, a few reminders as usual. Now, last week, Lise had a very informative show about a very important topic. She and her guest, Dr. Judith Boyce, talked about sexuality during and after cancer. Now, if you missed that show or any of our past shows, not to worry, because you can go to iHeartRadio, type in 5 to Thrive Live, and you'll find that show as well as all of our past shows. Uh, that's iHeart.com. In addition to iHeartRadio, you can also find our past shows on our website at the iThrive Plan. That's iThrivePlan.com. We also want to thank the sponsors of our show, who are Satria Glutathione, Cognizant Citicoline, and of course, the iThrive Plan. We appreciate our sponsors very much. Now, tonight, we have a show lined up that is surely to inspire. My guest is elite athlete Brian Fletcher. Brian is also a childhood cancer survivor. Since breaking onto the international Nordic combined ski scene with a victory in the King's Cup in 2012, Brian has established himself as one of the best combined skiers in the world. After that first World Cup victory, Brian helped his team capture the USA's first full team Nordic combined medal at the 2013 World Ski Championships in Italy. He also placed first in this year's Olympic trials and he will compete on Team USA in Pyeongchang in February at the Winter Games, which is very exciting. At the age of three, Brian was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic uh, leukemia. Uh, he's going to tell that story pretty soon. Brian recently also co-founded a nonprofit known as ccthrive.org. We love that title, Thrive. ccthrive.org to help childhood cancer survivors thrive after their diagnosis. And we're going to be talking about that during the show as well. Brian, welcome to Five to Thrive Live. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're so excited to talk to you. And uh, first of all, congratulations on uh, winning the Olympic trials and soon to be on your way uh, to the Winter Games. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's definitely really exciting and uh, definitely becoming very real here as I just got back uh, to Utah for a pre-Olympic training camp and just kind of getting ready to, uh, you know, put on the finishing touches and head on over to uh, South Korea. 
Yeah, I know. That's so, and thanks for taking the time because I know this is hectic times for you. That's for sure. <laughs> um, Definitely, so but I wouldn't let, miss it. Yeah, uh, let's start by having you tell us some of the details about your childhood cancer experience. You know, how old were you? Well, I, I mentioned that you were three. Uh, the the <laughs> type of cancer I mentioned. Uh, but what about your treatment and and how everything went after your diagnosis? Yeah, absolutely. So, like you said, uh, I was diagnosed at age three uh, with ALL leukemia, um, and I grew up in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, so um, kind of, you know, a rural ski town, if you will, and um, so uh, it was actually my family doctor who uh, figured it out, you know, I kind of just kept having these reoccurring symptoms and, you know, headaches and just really fatigued and, and really down, and our family doctor kind of had the suspicions that it might be leukemia um, you know, kind of referred us and well, actually started the initial tests and then referred us down to, uh, the hospital in Denver where I had my treatment done. Um, and once we confirmed the diagnosis, um, you know, it was pretty much, uh, you know, crazy from then on. And, you know, I guess I'd add to that. I was very lucky, um, to be in a situation where I was diagnosed early and had treatment, you know, very close to me available and, and, you know, have no long-term side effects from that. So like I said, diagnosed, uh, at three and then, um, started treatment in Denver. And so I would go, uh, back and forth from steamboat to Denver. And luckily I had grandparents that lived down there. So, um, we didn't have to stay in hotels all the time. We had a, you know, kind of a home away from home that I could stay at while I was doing my treatments. Um, the first two years of my treatment were, you know, obviously pretty intense and I was in the hospital mostly, um, doing intensive chemo. Um, and then kind of the, the big, uh, complications that I had during my treatment was about midway through, I suffered a stroke and, um, that was kind of one of the biggest setbacks that I had. And then the other big one was, uh, an allergic reaction to the chemotherapy drug, Elsperazinase. And, um, so, you know, two, two of those setbacks and, and, um, you know, they were, you know, could have been worse. Luckily they were not so serious. So I was lucky in that part. Um, you know, obviously the stroke, I have, uh, no long-term effects that I know of, or maybe I've just gotten so used to them. I don't know. <laughs> maybe ask my <laughs> wife, she might tell you differently, but, um, but, uh, yeah. So after that point, after those two setbacks was kind of the turning point in my, uh, you know, cancer treatment. And, really started rebounding after that point and getting better each day. About that same time, when really when I was about at the lowest point, you know, my parents started getting concerned with just my outlook on things. I was, you know, definitely still a kid, but I was starting to lose that, like, that hope or that belief a little bit. And so they re-inspired me by, you know, putting me in things that I enjoyed. And as a kid, skiing was like my number one passion. So I'm about, you know, four at this point, And I, my dad is a big skier and, and he, you know, had me on the slopes, like pretty much as soon as I can stand, he was like, well, he can stand, he can slide, you know, that's good enough. So I, uh, I was the kid where he would try and teach me to do, you know, beautiful turns like a, an alpine skier. And I was like, yeah, that's sweet, but I just really want to really point it straight and hit that jump. I just loved flying through the air and, and that rush and that adrenaline. So um, in Steamboat, where I grew up, the ski jumps are right downtown, and they had this, uh, you know, Tuesday night, learn to jump 
program. And uh, it was basically sign the waiver and you come up and you can start on the small jumps and work your way up and there'd be a coaching staff to help guide you. So my parents thought, okay, why not? And, you know, we'll let him try it once or get his fix and um, it'll be a good distraction for a couple hours and, and then, you know, we can do something different. And, but immediately they realized that this was not going to be a one-time thing. I had so much fun. Uh, I was out there from like the very beginning of the, the uh, start of the night to all the way till the end. I jumped just running back in, uh, to the top of the hill, jumping as many jumps as I could. And that night I begged my parents and, and so that sure enough, they signed me up for the program. And um, so then it became kind of my life outside of my treatment. And I just really dove into it head first and started, uh, you know, in the program jumping and it, I would basically jump. And then when I had to go down to Denver for treatments, I would do that. And it really became a motivational point for me. And, um, you know, I was really lucky that I found that distraction. And uh, I think that was really the biggest turning point in my cancer treatment. Yeah. And now what age were you when you were kind of set free and said, okay, you're, you're good to go. You're cured. Your treatment is done. At what age did that happen? So I think that was about seven or eight when I completed my like full remission study and, and was given the go ahead to just go for it full blast. And, um, that was a, that was a big moment for me because up until that point, you know, it was basically me going back and forth from steamboat to Denver and literally, you know, in Denver, I was doing everything the doctors asked as quickly as possible, hoping that I could get out of there one day sooner so I could get back to steamboat and get back to skiing. And, you know, when I was skiing, that was all I was focused on. And then life was good. And I was just doing that every day, you know, that I could. Um, day in and day out and, you know, never thought about going back down to Denver. And of course, when my parents were like, okay, it's time, we got to go, you know, it was always such a big bummer to me and about halfway down the car, just like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do everything to say as quickly as I can and as best as I can. And, and then I'll be back to skiing quicker. And that was, that was a great thing for me. So when I finally got the go ahead, you know, I didn't have to go anything. I mean, I was like a kid in a candy store. I just, dove in. I never looked back. I mean, my whole, you know, cancer treatment, I just kind of viewed the whole thing as like, this is just one thing that I have to do in order to become a normal kid one day. And so that moment when I was set free was like, finally, I'm a normal kid. I can do everything I want with my friends. I can, you know, ski all day, all weekend, whatever I want. I can go to school, you know, and and it was just such an awesome feeling and a moment for me. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. Well, it is time for our first break, but when we come back from this break, I want to learn a lot more about your professional career um, and uh, the Olympics and everything else that you've got going on, your nonprofit. Uh, But let's go ahead and take this first break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this interesting conversation with Brian Fletcher. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Attention all cancer survivors, are you ready to thrive? Hello, I'm Dr. Lee Schuler, And I'm Carolyn Gazella, and we are the creators of the new iThrive Cancer Survivor Online Wellness Plan. iThrive creates an individualized wellness plan specifically based on your health needs. We focus on five key areas to improve your health 
diet, movement, environment, rejuvenation, and spirit. After completing a short survey, an individualized iThrive plan will be created just for you. Your plan will contain recommended, interactive, interesting, and innovative action steps in these five key areas of lifestyle. The iThrive plan will help you to recover from cancer treatment, reduce your risk of recurrence, and to achieve optimal wellness. In other words, it will help you thrive. For more information about the iThrive plan, visit www.ithriveplan.com. That's ithriveplan.com. Check it out today and receive a special time-limited offer. Visit www.ithriveplan.com today. It's time to thrive, everyone. We are constantly being bombarded by toxins in the air we breathe, water we drink, and even the foods we eat. So what's the answer? Glutathione. It's inside every cell in your body and protects you from the damage of oxidative stress and toxins. There's a special patented form of glutathione that is superior called Cetria. Cetria is pure, vegetarian, and allergen-free. Help replenish your body's reserves of this very important nutrient, detoxified in a natural way. Visit cetriaglutathione.com. That's cetriaglutathione.com. Five to Thrive Live. I am Carolyn Gazella. I'm here with Brian Fletcher, who is on his way to the Winter Olympics soon. He is going to be representing us on Team USA. Um, So we're super excited to have Brian with us. He's also a childhood cancer survivor. And you know, Brian, what struck me when you were talking about um, your journey and how even during active treatment, you would get outside, you would ski, and that helped keep you motivated. And you know, on this show and in the work that we do with the I Thrive Plan, we talk a lot about nature and movement and what a powerful combination uh, that is. In the scientific literature, it's actually called green exercise because studies have shown that people who exercise outside and who are physical outside have more benefit. I'm just curious. I know that you know the benefits of, of exercise and movement, obviously, because you're an elite athlete. Uh, but what about the nature aspect of that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, I'm a big proponent of that. And one of the things that I tell uh, kids, you know, that I when we meet with them with CC Thrive and, and just, you know, in skiing in general is, try and stay active uh, during your treatment and try and get outside as much as possible. I, I am a huge believer that nature is therapy. I love being outside. I love when I'm cross country skiing, like I am most at peace with everything when I'm just out there in the woods skiing. Um, It really helps me process everything that I have going on in my life. And, you know, when I was a younger kid, being outside was just everything to me. I could be out there, you know, just breathing the fresh air, jumping with my friends, smiling, laughing, enjoying the sunshine, feeling the breeze. It, it really was just a relief from everything else you have going on at that time. And, 
um, you know, it was, I, I would say that it was the one time where, you know, my cancer was not in the back of my head or in my subconscious. Like you can totally forget it for, you know, the time while you're out there and just really focus on living in the moment. And that's, that was everything I think to me. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, we sometimes call it a moving meditation because you have to stay present um, and it's just so therapeutic, as you mentioned. Now, I, I would like to talk about your career. Um, so tell us a mm-hmm. little bit more about your ski career and your athletic journey. Um, so we mentioned your first big win, but how, mm-hmm. how did it feel working so hard? How did it feel to stand on that podium to win your first medal? Yeah, I mean, it was amazing, um, you know, to, to have finally have that. I mean, I guess if you start from the beginning, um, for me, it was small steps. Like, uh, after my treatment, it was like, okay, this is what I want to do, you know, with my friends for as long as it lasts. And then, you know, by high school, I was getting to the point where I started to realize, okay, I could actually make somewhat of a career out of this. I might be able to get on the U.S. ski team. I might be able to go to the Olympics. And then, um you know, I could travel Europe. And so you kind of start setting these small goals. And then when I made the US ski team, I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe one day I can stand on top of the podium of a continental cup, which is like our second tier competitions to world cup. And then, you know, I accomplished that goal and I was like, wow, well, maybe I could, you know, score world cup points. Uh, and then accomplish that. And I was like, well, geez, you know, maybe I could go to, you know, world championships or go to the Olympics. And, you know, each kind of step that I took, you know, it was, it was really rewarding, but the work that went into, uh, accomplishing those goals was tremendous. And, you know, it's a lot of personal challenges. You know, you talk about being outside and and all the movement and stuff, and it, you know, it really taught me how to be mindful of the things that I'm doing every day in my life. And, um, you know, being an athlete is, it's a 24 seven, it's a lifestyle thing. It's not like a nine to five job where, you go to work and you do your responsibilities there. When you're off work, you can, you know, eat what you want or go out with your friends or do whatever, you know, being an athlete is, is 24 seven, you know, everything you do on the weekends, everything you do, uh, while you're training builds up and it matters. And, um, so, you know, you put in all this work and you start, you know, making some small changes and, and the hardest part is like, you don't always get out what you put in. Sometimes you put in a ton of work and it's a very small amount of progress. And, you know, you can, you can stay motivated for a little while, but if you don't start seeing the results, it's very hard to stay motivated. But every, you know, if you can stick with it and you can keep working hard, then all of a sudden everything, you know, you have this big breakthrough and everything gives. And that was that moment for me when I stood on my first uh, podium for World Cup and won the King's Cup uh, was just, you know, that moment where I made every sacrifice that I'd ever made in my life totally worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And it was so humbling, so rewarding, and it's a feeling that you'll never forget, that hard work just paying off. And, you know, that was so cool for me. And, and not only that, I got to meet the King of Norway after that. That's why they name it the King's Cup. And, you know, to be in, in, you know, a class where I'm one of five Americans to ever win that event was just, uh, you know, so humbling. And so that was really the moment where, it also inspired me and showed me that I belong on the world cup and that I am capable of these top results and that, you know, I should continue and, and really try and uh, put all that I have into the sport. And, and that's what I've done since then. 
Yeah, and I love the fact that you mentioned that you've taken small steps because I think that some people get overwhelmed when they set their goals too lofty or too big and then all of a sudden they they fall short and they and they can't uh, achieve it. The whole uh, premise of the I Thrive plan is that we give people small steps and small strategies and just small things that they can do uh, to change their lifestyle. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because we definitely agree with you on that. And I'm always curious um, about why people make the choices they make. You know, when it comes to uh, the winter games or winter sports, you know, there, you have a lot of choices. And you mentioned that you love jumping, um, but why Nordic combined? Why not just jumping? Well, that's a great question. So, um, you know, for me, the, the first thing I started, I loved the thrill of the jumping, and that's what drew me into the sport. But I got into Nordic Combined actually kind of by accident. I started uh, the cross-country portion of the sport at the age of six. And when I started it, uh, you know, all my friends just kept referring to it as Nordic Combined. You know, it's a full thing. And I didn't really know what that meant. I just wanted to do it because they were doing it. They were signing up and, and that, you know, social network that I have was, you know, so much fun and I just wanted to be a part of it. So, you know, I told my parents I wanted to sign up and I jumped, you know, head first into it. And when they handed me a pair of cross country skis, I was like, Oh, this is not what I thought it was. Uh, but you know, it turns out that it was pretty fun and I had a little bit of a talent for it. And, um, so I stuck with it and stuck with it to the point that when all my friends, you know, kind of phased out of it that, you know, I wanted to keep going and the older that I got, the more I enjoyed it. And today the, the cross country portion of the event is probably the most rewarding and most relaxing uh, portion of the event for me. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, well, that's great. And, you know, I, I am just in awe of elite athletes like yourself and what it takes uh, to get to that level. Take us through, you know, for example, what your diet is like and what your training schedule entails. What are some of the, the little nuts and bolts or tidbits about what it takes to be an uh, Olympic athlete? Yeah, absolutely. So, um well, first, I guess I'd start off like Nordic combined because it's two different sports. You have the ski jumping and the cross country. They're two polar opposite sports. So uh, ski jumping is a fast twitch muscle fiber sport, which it's really important to have strength, but also to be very lean. You need to be light and powerful. Um, you know, contrary to popular belief, you want to be as light as possible and as strong as possible in the legs in order to produce that power on the takeoff, but also to fly further through the air. So and then the cross-country side of the sport is very much a slow-twitch uh, muscle fiber sport. So uh, you're working on your endurance. you got to build you know, whole body strength. You need uh, good uh, balance between your upper body and your lower body strength, strong core, all that stuff. So um, every time we train for the jumping, you're kind of taking away from the cross-country and vice versa. Mm. The body doesn't like to have both of those muscle fiber types coexisting so we have to work very hard to find the perfect balance for each individual. Um, what works for me is not necessarily going to work for my brother, who's also on the team, um, four years younger than I am, but you know, his body type is different and the amount of training that he needs to do on one side of the sport or the other is, is totally different. So we're putting in about a thousand hours to 1100 hours a year uh, or uh, yeah, a year of training and about 
it's a 60-40 split. Most of the hours that we need to do are endurance-based. It takes a long time to build up your endurance. And, you know, I'm the fastest that I've ever been today, but it's taken me nearly 10 years to build up that speed and endurance in order to perform at the top level on the World Cup circuit. The jumping is a little bit, uh, you know, quicker to uh, develop. You can be a strong jumper from a young age and you can really make quick changes in that sport. However, it's not always uh, a linear correlation between what you put into it and what you get out. It's kind of like golf where you can practice and practice and practice, but that doesn't mean you're going to be the next Tiger Woods. It's just one of those sports that's really challenging. And um, so, you know, we're, we're training about 500 to 600 hours on the cross country side. And we're training, training also about uh, 400 hours on the jumping side uh, year round. So we're one of the, the only winter sports that we can actually do exactly the same in the summer without snow on a plastic material. So that Mm -hmm. really opens up the door. So we'll be training, um, you know, two to three hours a day uh, cross country and about a two hour jump session or two hour weights and plyo session a day. Um, So it's a, it's a pretty demanding sport. Um, And balancing two sports is definitely a lot harder than balancing one. Um, As far as the nutritional component goes, we're, really having to eat a very healthy diet because every calorie that we're putting in and every nutrient that we're putting in matters. So we're trying to get the most bang for our buck in terms of diet. So, you know, you're really working on making sure that you're getting the right carbs, the right proteins, um, and the right natural fats. So we're definitely eating, you know, kind of a more, a more vegetable uh, based diet with smaller meat portions, um, but also making sure that you're getting enough carbs to uh, be able to handle the cross-country side of the sport. Yeah, I would think that the just the calories alone that you would need to sustain that type of um, training schedule would be important as well. The right yeah, calories, so but the amount of calories. The right calories and the right amount of calories. So, and that's, again, a little bit of an injubit individual thing. I know that my, uh, base metabolic rate is, is probably around 1800, uh, calories a day. So, um, and I, you know, with training and all that stuff, I can eat about, you know, 2,300 to 2,500 calories a day, um, and maintain my body weight that I need for competition. Uh, mm-hmm. in the summer when we're, when our training volume is a little bit higher, it might be more in the winter during the competition season when we're really focusing on, you know, uh, performance and the training volume is not as high. Um, it might drop down a little bit. So it's definitely periodized with our training and, uh, you know, definitely making sure that that energy balance, uh, is accurate as, as best as possible. Right, right. Now making it to the Olympics and being on the, uh, USA team, you know, also requires discipline and motivation and kind of a a mental health attitude as well. So what motivates you and and how do you keep your mental health strong and, and, you know, moving forward and healthy and all of that? Absolutely. So I think the the key to all of that is balance. You need need to be a whole, you know, well-rounded person. in order to keep your motivation, in order to be, you know, mindful and present in your training, um, and competition. 
So really making sure that you're not, you know, sacrificing so much that you're, you know, mentally unhappy with what you're doing or you feel like you're giving up so much that you can't really enjoy the whole process. So I think uh, keeping a balance, you know, for me, I'm in school part time. I, you know, have the nonprofit that I enjoy working on when I can and, uh, and then also have my uh, year and a half old daughter that, you know, I love spending time with and, and of course my family. So, um, you know, having all those things that are all a part of the puzzle is really, you know, the key to keeping your mental health, uh, you know, in balance and then also keeping your training in balance. You've got to have those, those distractions and those things to help, you know, keep you happy and, and realize that there's more to life than just sport. Uh, I think that's a really important fact there. Yeah, and you know, I think that's actually an important fact for all of us, even those of us who are not uh, training to be uh, an Olympic medalist, because you bring up such a good point. I mean, it's it's all about joy and, and laughter and love and all of these other aspects that come into play that I think um, we need to kind of protect. And it, it sounds like you're doing a, a wonderful job in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing that I'd add to that is that you never know, like, you know, just because of, you know, for me in sport, I've learned so much through, you know, just school or life experiences that I've been able to apply to sport and not necessarily from sport related topics, from things that are totally outside of that, that world and that realm. And it's been able to help me apply new ideas and, and fresh energy to the thing that I've been doing my whole life. And I, and I think that's really important in any aspect of anyone's life is you never know when you're going to find a new source of motivation or a new source of energy or a new idea, uh, you know, or way to approach something differently. Um, and I think that's, that's really key. Yeah, I, I would agree. Well, you know what? It's time for our final break. But when we come back, we're going to continue this interesting conversation with Brian Fletcher. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Attention all cancer survivors, are you ready to thrive? Hello, I'm Dr. Lee Sauschuler. And I'm Carolyn Gazella, and we are the creators of the new iThrive Cancer Survivor Online Wellness Plan. iThrive creates an individualized wellness plan specifically based on your health needs. We focus on five key areas to improve your health. Diet, movement, environment, rejuvenation, and spirit. After completing a short survey, an individualized iThrive plan will be created just for you. Your plan will contain recommended, interactive, interesting, and innovative action steps in these five key areas of lifestyle. The iThrive plan will help you to recover from cancer treatment, reduce your risk of recurrence, and to achieve optimal wellness. In other words, it will help you thrive. For more information about the iThrive plan, visit www.ithriveplan.com. That's ithriveplan.com. Check it out today and receive a special time-limited offer. Visit www.ithriveplan.com today. It's time to thrive, everyone. Are you interested in boosting your brain power? So am I. This is Carolyn Gazella, co-host of 5 to Thrive Live, and I'm here to tell you about a supplement that I take. The human brain needs a lot of nutrition to stay focused throughout the day. 
Citicoline naturally enhances energy-producing centers within the brain. Cognizin delivers a clinically tested, patented form of Citicoline that supplies your brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Look for Cognizin on the label, or for more information, visit Cognizin.com. That's Cognizin.com. Five to Thrive Live. I am Carolyn Gazella. I am joined by my guest, Brian Fletcher, who is a childhood cancer survivor, and he is soon to compete in the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Um, so, Brian, now, going back to your childhood cancer experience, um, you mentioned that, you know, that was a pretty low point um, for you as a child, and I imagine it for your for your family, what advice do you have for listeners who may be at a low point in his or her life right now, having difficulty staying inspired and motivated? And I imagine in in your work, you you run across people who are who are just down, and it and it's and cancer has a tendency to sometimes beat you down. And um, what advice do you give them? So I guess the first piece of advice that I would give them is you know keep keep your hope, keep your belief that you will make it through it. Keep that faith, you know, um, that's, that's the first key thing. And, and you, you know, even if you're kind of doubting it or, or just not believing a hundred percent, keep telling yourself that you can't, because I think that's the important thing. And if you think it, you eventually will believe it. And then the, the second piece of advice that I give them is break it down. Like we talked about earlier into small steps day by day. Um, you know, my favorite quote that I've applied to every aspect of my life comes from JT Kearney and, and he had these, uh, laws of the universe as they were called for sport. And the, my favorite one is big trees grow slowly. And I think it applies to so many things in life, you know, where, you know, you think about a tree and you think about all the little rings on the tree. Well, you don't, you don't become a huge giant tree overnight. It takes time and it takes very small steps. So if you can break it down, you know, this whole task that you're going through day by day and really just, you know, do everything that you can or that you have control of as best as possible in there, then, you know, that's just another ring to the tree. And eventually all of a sudden you're going to have this huge big tree that is strong, that's unshakable and it's going to be full of optimism, belief, and hope. And I think that's the most important message you can have. And, and that's what I tell a lot of people who are down or they're struggling or what they ask when, when they're first diagnosed. Like, what's the one piece of advice you have? That's what I would say. Yeah, small steps. And, and what, what happens on those days where you kind of lose sight of this where, you know, is it, is it just a matter of like, okay, well, I have to go back to a small step, just one small thing. Is that, is that kind of how you kind of circle back to that? Yeah. And you know what I would say, like, don't be afraid to give yourself a break. If there's a day where you're just so down and there's nothing you do, you know what? It's okay to have that momentary like breakdown where you're just like, you know what? I, I just have to sit here and, you know, cry for a minute, or I just have to, you know, take a deep breath. And you know what, today, I'm, I'm just going to sit down and, you know, do whatever, or go for a walk or whatever, 
whatever is going to help you relax and, and give you that mental break and then refocus and, and jump back into it and then take the next thing that you need to do, break it into small chunks and, and get, you know, started again, working towards the bigger goal. And, um, that's, that's really all you can do, uh, is just take it one step at a time. Right. And just be gentle, be gentle with yourself. And, um, yeah, that, that's great, great and, advice. And, and be forgiving too, you know, you don't need to be super hard on yourself. You already are going through a lot. You know, you can be forgiving for yourself. And, uh, you know, if you hold grudges or hold that, that frustration of not, you know, maybe, you know, you didn't do things perfect the day before or whatever, that's okay. Forgive yourself, move on. Today's a new day and, you know, go back into it re-inspired and re-motivated to continue. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely sounds like you have an amazing attitude and that you've looked to things like, you know, uh, self-talk, like what, what messages are you sending yourself? And, you know, that, that you have a, a more mindful approach, uh, to your past healing and, and the way that you live your life now. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, from that moment, um, when I was, set free, you know, from my treatment that, you know, I kind of hit the ground running. It wasn't until at high school that I had really looked back uh, at everything I'd gone through. And it, it, it was extremely humbling. But you know what, it also was extremely inspiring, because like, here I was living life to the fullest and, and really didn't use my my cancer as a crutch and uh, just really went through things uh, full blast, full speed. And really enjoying every single moment. And I've, I've carried that attitude into my life today, just really enjoying the things that I'm doing, even the things that are not so enjoyable or, you know, maybe stressful. That's one of the perks of life is having that range of emotions and, and being able to do all that stuff. So yeah, I'm definitely really grateful that I'm here today and I have no long-term side effects and that I'm able to live my life to the fullest. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a diagnosis of cancer definitely put pressures you up against your edges and and many of us uh you know surface on the other end of that feeling very grateful and I can only imagine that having that as a child uh because it it occurred so early on in your development how that sense of gratitude would just really stick with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, having uh, uh, something like this as a child is it, it, it forces you to grow up really quickly. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you have a lot of tough decisions you have to face. And, uh, you know, as my co-founders at CC Thrive would say, you become a very mature kid for your age. And uh, th- I think that's so true. And, and you really evaluate a lot of things about your life and, and what you're doing. And, I, and, you know, hopefully you come out with, uh, you know, an optimistic and a positive attitude and, you know, you can keep moving forward from there. I think that's uh, really what, you know, what it's all about is just finding your passion for, you know, whatever it is in life that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Now, let's talk a little bit about CC Thrive. Why did you want to start that nonprofit organization? Nonprofits aren't easy. Um, so why did you want to yeah. start CC Thrive? Well, initially, it just it, it started out as an idea that we had. You know, there's there's so many great stories out there uh, about survivors as adults and and um, you know high high profile celebrities that have had cancer and and gone through this whole thing. And 
But the problem is when I went through uh, chemo as a child and, and when Gavin went through chemo, you know, there were no role models to really look up to. It, we had a really hard time finding kids who had gone through chemo and the whole treatment and what they'd gone on to. And um, there were just not that many stories to use as motivation or to follow. Um, and so we felt that was kind of a shame. You know, I think there's so many great stories out there and I know there's kids that have gone through chemo and gone on to great things, you know, other than myself and Gavin. And we really just wanted to capture that, that picture and be able to give that back to, um, kids who are currently going through chemo. So they have somebody who's go was going through it at the same age, uh, been through very similar things as they're going through now and that they could access those stories on their own terms. And, um, really the whole goal of, of the thing was to help people, um, reach their fullest potential and inspire them to reach their fullest potential. So like you said, starting a, a nonprofit is very difficult and we've definitely uh, had some of those struggles through the whole process, but you know, it's been really rewarding as well. We've had uh, some amazing stories that we've learned through the whole process. We've got to meet a lot of amazing people and, you know, hopefully we've got to help a few people as well. Yeah, so your target audience, the people that you would consider that you serve, are like uh, people under the age of 18? Is that is that kind of your target? or? Yeah, yeah. So we're primarily trying to uh, help, you know, the younger kids, the childhood cancer survivors. Um, and, and what we do, so one of the things that we have out there is a, a newly diagnosed brochure, and it's a, basically just a document that says, hey, UK, you've just been given this, you know, huge life-changing news. That's okay. You know, you're going to have a long road ahead of you and we just want you to focus on the big picture. So, um, you know, don't lose sight of life after treatment and do everything, you know, your doctors and your care team tell you to do through this whole process, but be active, get outside and, you know, don't lose sight of the, of life after cancer. And then after the treatment, we really just want to help inspire them to not use cancer as a crutch and really go out there and, and pursue their passions, whatever it may be. It could be sports, it could be academics, it could be, you know, music, art, dance, whatever it may be. Um, we really just want them to pursue it and pursue it with, you know, vigor and, and really to reach their full potential. So let's talk specifically about how your organization could help uh, a child. Um, is it a case, I know you mentioned the informational brochure, is it a case where they go to your website and they find information that they can read at their leisure or when they're ready? Um, or uh, do you have any kind of mentoring kind of uh, arrangement? Um, what are What are some of the specific programs that you're doing now and then uh, the second part of that is, um, how do you see that growing in the future? What do you want to do in the future? Yeah, absolutely. It was a great question. So I think the biggest thing was we wanted to provide some materials that uh, kids could access on their own terms. You know, when you're in the clinic and you have adults around that are, um, you know, doctors telling you all this, you know, heavy news and your parents telling you a lot of heavy news, then you have questions. You might be afraid to ask or you might just be wondering, you know, who's been through this before. So we wanted to create a website where kids could go to or, or their parents could go to and really, you know, read some stories and ask those questions and kind of find some information on their own terms. Um, 
And then, you know, eventually down the road, this is part of our long-term plan. We'd love to have a mentorship thing where, you know, you know, people who have been through it, cancer survivors who have been through it can help uh, guide uh, kids who are currently going through it or just coming off treatment, how to get back up started in life and, and their passions. And I think that's uh, extremely important to do and, and one of the, the, our long-term goals for the organization. The other long-term goal for the organization is, is really to just cultivate a portfolio of inspirational stories. We're actively seeking uh, stories for um, survivors out there who have gone on to do uh, great things, whatever it may be, you know, in life, uh, whether it's academically, athletically, or artistically, we want those stories so we can help inspire other kids uh, to go out and reach their full potential, like I said. So um, that's kind of our vision and our plan right now and, and really what we're trying to do. We're just starting out. We're obviously very low budget and trying to make an impact without having to raise a ton of capital and make a big, uh, you know, project out of it. We really just want this to be something that can kind of grow and expand on its own terms. Yeah, kind of grow organically, and I I love that. And it's it's interesting because I have a a close friend um, who is a firefighter, and he had uh, leukemia as a child. I think he was probably like two or three. He was he was quite young, and um, recently got married. And then uh, he and his wife uh, wanted to have children, and they were um, afraid, you know, that maybe uh, there were uh, long term effects, and that he wasn't going to uh, be able to ha- have children. Well, just recently, uh, I think maybe three months ago, um, they had their first child, a little a little boy. Um, and I have to tell you, it is just one of the most joys that I have is to see them together and to see him with his son. Uh, the other day, he was at the fire station and he, he was cooking up a meal at the fire station and he had his son in one of those little carriers uh, on his chest <laughs> watching him cook up the, you know, I mean, and th- this is some who thought that you know from a long-term standpoint that he wasn't going to be able to be a father um, and I, I would imagine that these types of concerns and issues um, come up when you're an adult survivor of childhood cancer absolutely and and that I've been through that very same thing my wife and I wondered too I didn't even know if I could have uh, a child and you know luckily a year and a half ago we had our first we had a daughter and um, Ellery is my whole world and it's, it's so amazing to me that, you know, I'm lucky enough today to have that. But that's one of the things that we're trying to get out there and show people is that, yeah, there, you know, there are these concerns and, and there may be issues down the road, but, um, there also may not be. And right. you can't worry about those things all the time. You kind of have to, you know, live your life and, and go out there and, and, you know, not not use it as a crutch not uh mm-hmm. really worry too much that it it you know overtakes your life um and that and that's you know this whole thing started when i was you know kind of sharing my story going into the 2014 olympics you know the the number of parents that i had reach out to me and was like you know what thank you my son or my daughter was just diagnosed and you know i was wondering you know what they'd be able to do i think it's it's a big question for the parents too they don't know what to expect for their kids after the diagnosis or after their treatment. And um, so this is a great way to show the parents as well that, hey, you know what, 
here's an example of somebody who's gone on to do great things and, you know, live their life to the fullest. And that's, that's amazing. And, and hopefully uh, your son or daughter can do the same thing. Yeah, I love that. And I love the message, you know, don't let cancer define you. And I think that especially when you're diagnosed as a child, um, you know, you it it could uh you know come come back to to haunt you and it and it, you know there could be always concerns and i'm a 20 year uh survivor oh actually it'll be 22 years in in uh 23 years in march and um you know the fear of recurrence or the 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 fear that that it you know your health might catch up with you and you know you want to be able to kind of put those fears aside and just live your life with vitality and it it certainly sounds like you are helping people do that with your nonprofit organization i want to remind our listeners that the website is cc Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E dot org, O-R-G. So that's cc-thrive.org. I encourage you to go to the website. Um, if you are a, uh, a child, if you have a child with cancer, if you're a childhood, an adult survivor of childhood cancer, um, or if, if you want to give to a wonderful organization, um, go to cc-thrive.org, check out what they're doing, and make a donation. Uh, this, is, this is how we can help each other and how we can help um, uh, these young people thrive uh, despite their their diagnosis of cancer. So Brian, I have to say this has been a great show and I want to wish you much success as you compete on behalf of, of the Team USA and, um, and I just want to thank you again for taking the time to be on the show. Thank you so much, Carolyn. It was an honor to be here and, and thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, like you said, if anybody wants to reach out to the organization, I encourage you to do so. We'd be happy to hear your stories or uh, answer any questions you may have. So um, yeah. thanks again for having me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I want to remind our listeners that the Winter Olympics, uh, if you want to cheer Brian on uh, and the entire Team USA uh, in Pyeongchang, uh, South Korea, they start on Friday, February 9th. That's when the Olympics start, Friday, February 9th. Go Team USA. I also want to let you know that next week I have another fascinating show. Uh, my guests are the husband and wife team of Tamara Green and David Doshiner. Uh, we've had them on before. Uh, they have a new book out called Live Calm with Cancer. So it's all about mindfulness and other ways that we can be calm. Uh, despite our diagnosis. So you're not going to want to miss that. So enjoy the rest of your evening and may you experience joy, laughter, and love. It's time to thrive, everyone. Have a great night. Oh,